Talk Live. Welcome to the program. Phones are open. If you want to join us, you're invited. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Aria. Uh, phones are open as usual. Stuff in the news to talk about. There, I saw some stuff on social media over the weekend where I guess press people, people in the mainstream media news, quote unquote, uh, like business, normal media people, right? Because we're we're media people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not uh, quote unquote journalists. We're um, opinion people. I guess. Okay, right? Yeah. Um, we don't pretend to be anything but that. The people in the so-called news, of course, pretend to be journalists when they really just want to share their opinion. And some of them have really are really bad at sharing their opinions. Yeah, and apparently they've been freaking out, some of them, about this White House Correspondents' Dinner. I saw a couple of uh, images from it, very, very well-attended dinner with, I don't know how many hundreds of people in a large ballroom, uh, I think... Joe, you know, Joe Biden spoke to them or something like that. I don't know. I, I don't pay close attention to the goings on. But you said one of these correspondents was in attendance there, at least one, and absolutely losing their mind. Yeah, well, I didn't even know this had happened, right? The, mm-hmm. the first thing I saw about it was today, and it was just this Daily Mail article blasting this person for saying that the room was like a horror film, a terrified of COVID Washington Post reporter being mocked. For tweeting a photo of the White House Correspondent's Dinner saying that she has a fear of breathing near people, but people are everywhere. Why would she go? That's a really good question. I don't know. (laughs) Because it was her job or something like that, I guess. I guess so. She is a Washington Post reporter, but... But if it's that important to you, why don't you just tell your editor, oh... Sorry, I don't feel comfortable going to this location in the same way that you you know, might want to turn down being sent into a war zone or something, because it sounds like that's what she considers the place. A Washington Post reporter was slammed on Twitter after she tweeted a photo of the White House Correspondents' Dinner and said that she was afraid of breathing near people, saying that it reminded her of something out of a horror film, which <laughs> I learned about a movie upcoming, a horror film called... You've seen a few of these. Yeah, called Cocaine Bear coming out next year. Okay. I'm really looking forward to it. Apparently, what is it about? It's based on a true story. Well, it's inspired by true events where some uh, drug smugglers dropped off a bunch, like eight pounds of cocaine or something uh-huh. in the woods, and a grizzly bear ended up finding it and like eating it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. It's based on that. So, I guess the idea is the bear goes on a crazy cocaine binge and kills a bunch of uh, people in the woods? Yeah, I think, okay. I'm assuming so. I'm okay. looking forward to it. <laughs> Before sparking re- outrage online, Jada Yuan, a po- politics correspondent at The Post, had shared a picture of herself maskless, smiling, and wearing a peach gown at the distinguished event. <laughs> so, she was there. She was not wearing a mask. Yeah, not she even was smiling and... Two hours later, she was on Twitter again to share the unsettling experience of attending the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which made a comeback this year after having been canceled in 2020 and 2021. This room is like a horror film. No exits. Well, that's... That's obviously not true. Yeah, there's no way... That cannot be true. Literally getting trapped between tables. Literally getting <laughs> trapped between tables. Fear of breathing near people, but people are everywhere... Creeping sense that you're the only one who knows this is insane. And isn't that, isn't that sort of the common mentality among these people is that they, they believe they're the only sane person in a room full of crazy people? That's what she literally said. 
in that post. Twitter users rushed to criticize her remarks, deeming Yuan an alarmist and citing that attendees were vaccinated, boosted, and required to provide a negative COVID-19 antigen test. So despite being vaccinated and boosted to get into this thing, you also had to have a negative test. Wow. It's almost like the vaccination and getting boosted doesn't, you know, keep you from getting COVID. Maybe she realizes that, and that's why she was so scared. <laughs> it could be, but even though they had, te- they had tested positive, right? I mean, that to me is the, if you test, I mean, if test you test negative. a negative, yeah. If you test negative, you should be allowed to go, right? Mask or not, or vaccinated or not. You don't have COVID, so what does it matter? Well, it at least means you didn't have COVID, what, within the last 48 hours or something? It just depends on when the test was taken. True. Right? Usually they give you some little bit of wiggle room. I just see a picture of her here. She does look a little on the older side, it looks like. I haven't seen a picture of her in oh, this Oh, wait, article. no, that's not her. Sorry, Twitter ahead. users rushed to criticize her remarks, naming you on it. Oh, I got into that. Jada, this post was nine hours ago. Are you okay? Did you make it out alive? Please let us know. <laughs> One Twitter user mocked the White House Correspondents Association dinner, sidelined by the pandemic in the last two years, featured Biden as the first president in six years to accept an invitation. So apparently Trump never went to these things. Wow. I can't say I blame him. It sounds tedious and boring. Yeah. Vice President Harris tested positive this, this past week, and Dr. Fauci skipped the dinner for health precautions. <laughs> the last gala before COVID-19 broke out was in 2019. It featured neither the president nor even a comedian as Donald Trump refused to attend while in office. Wow. What does that mean, even a comedian? I guess they didn't book anybody, it sounds like. That sounds like an awful dinner. Yeah. it's It sounds like one of those industry things where, you know, it's kind of a who's who you got to go if you can if you can make it you should go cuz it's about you know networking or whatever well she thought it would be good for her career certainly to go to this thing otherwise she, must she, have. Would, she would not have gone yeah. even though she was evidently terrified and trapped within tables in a room without exits the entire time yeah she looks a little bit older maybe like in her early 50s or something like that she goes on to say that she's been kindly asked not to show up in the office for a week after covering the Correspondence dinner, which shows how much faith we all have that this won't be another super spreader, she reported on Friday. Wow. Imagine still living in so much fear. I know, man. I Drudge Report is all about this stuff. Like, hey, you know, Delta couldn't come back. It didn't matter when Delta was here the first time. No. That's not going to scare people. In fact, she's like, no, Bill Gates is saying the worst of COVID is yet to come. Who cares? Didn't Fauci just say that it's the end of the pandemic? Did he? I thought I saw headlines about that, too. Again, I'm like, I, you, I, I don't pay that close attention. Man. I, I really just don't pay close attention to it because, I mean, at least here in New Hampshire, it's not affecting us in any way, shape, or form. There's no lockdowns. There's no mask mandates at this point. Anyone wearing a mask is doing it purely for signaling purposes uh, or, you know, maybe they're actually that still that afraid and going out in public. But it's pretty minimal now, thank goodness. Biden decided to pass up the meal. So evidently there's a meal and then there's too good to eat with the press corps. But well, he did turn up later Mm -hmm. for the program. He planned to be masked when not speaking, but a maskless president greeted award winners on the day. Dais? I don't know what that word means. Oh, uh, Oh, I think it's dais or dais. It's a I had to look this up like a year ago. It's like a raised round platform. I don't know if it has to be round. It could just be a raised platform. But it's something that usually we'll see like on a stage to lift somebody up somebody special well evidently he wasn't wearing a mask well he certainly thinks he's special trevor noah was the host of the event i'm not terribly surprised by that Hmm. 
He joked about the dinner being the most distinguished super spreader event. For real, what are we doing here? He said. <laughs> well, what? Dude, I'm at a lo- How do they do these mental gymnastics, man? He's crit- he's there. Yeah. Criticizing yeah. everyone else for being there. Wow. Did none of you learn anything from the gridiron dinner? Nothing. You guys spent the last two years telling everyone the importance of masks and avoiding large indoor gatherings. Then the second someone offers you a free dinner, you all turn into (laughs) Joe Rogan. Uh, That's pretty funny. It is, but he's there too. Yeah. Is he like a hard leftist, Trevor Noah? I don't know much about him. I know he took over. I think he took over the the Daily Show show, and like made it not funny anymore mm, i mean he, he likes to think of himself as a comedian from from what i can tell he's just uh who's that guy who took over the late show conan o'brien the, the fat guy i don't jimmy, know jimmy whatever no not jimmy kimmel you um, yeah that's him the guy the guy who was crying a few years ago while trying to make some point it was just disgusting mm. appealing to that that sort of woke left it that's what trevor noah james is. corden I don't think so. Because there was one of them, one of these late, late show guys was in the terrible music video with Ariana Grande, which was just a total propaganda piece. I thought that was Jimmy Kimmel. No. No, 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 no. There's another Jimmy, too. They're they're all just tools for the state. That's true. (laughs) It was some brown-haired dude named Jimmy. That's (laughs) all we know. There's another Jimmy as well. Uh, Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. He He also did a video with Ariana Grande. Because she is like a total tool of the state and the propaganda uh, mouthpiece. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. You can weigh in here. Uh, we got more propaganda on the way. You can share your thoughts here on Free Talk Live. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Aria. Join us online anytime you want. Head over to freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features there. We have a social media site. You can go to social.freetalklive.com. And you can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners. Some of the hosts are there as well. And it's free. It's also not run by some mega big tech corporation. We run the server. It is uh, open source. It's self-hosted. It's federated, which means it's also connected to thousands of other mastodons all around uh, the planet. Uh, Go to social.freetalklive.com and you can do that there. So we were just talking about the U.S. propaganda wing, the mainstream media attending the uh, White House Correspondence Dinner, I guess is what they call it. Even though apparently the White House isn't always involved in that, this that's, thing, that's a curious aspect of this, right? Is yeah. that Trump kept not going? Oh, oh, okay, I, oh, Trump is weird, but so it's not the but it's not the White House itself putting these things on, or Trump would have just not put it on, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I don't know if it's the National Press Club or whatever they call themselves. That you know, industries have their little clubs, right? So. Uh, I you know maybe uh, free talk live we've been to the the talkers media conferences over the years until covid happened and then new york city went insane and so we haven't we haven't been back uh in the last couple of years but that's you know kind of like a club i mean you're not a member per yeah. se but it's it's one of those industry events you get together and you network and and then you go home 
And then maybe if you uh, meet the right people and then if you're working for like a career or something like that, like this lady was working for the Washington Post and she met somebody who works with the New York Post and she wants to move out of D.C. and go to New York, then the connections might get her to where she wants to go. So it's it's usually one of those kind of I see. schmoozy industry networking things primarily that's my guess so it's about, about rubbing elbows is. meeting yeah. people that sort of yeah, thing that's okay. absolutely what it is i mean these are businesses that are very very small generally uh, certainly the press business is smaller than it's ever been as far as we've covered the newspapers going either completely out of business or cutting back their newsrooms 25 percent, getting rid of uh, as they did here in Keene recently getting rid of an entire edition of the paper got it, they cut the saturday paper and now it's just the weekend edition uh so well the newspaper as an idea it, it's obviously bad it's obviously flawed it's out of date yeah, I mean, it's an anachronism. It's learning tomorrow about what happened today when I can just go online right now and right. learn about what, what's happening. Not what happened today, but what is happening right now in the world. Yeah, and it's not something that resonates with younger people in any way, shape, or form, so it's it's dying off. That doesn't mean journalism or news reporting is going to go away. It's just going to change form. And the new form, it just won't support the same level of weight of employees and structure that the old one did because yeah you can sell an online advertisement but you can't get as much for it as you could get for an old media advertisement and the online ads of course they expect a lot more from right you can target an online ad or at least the good ones can be you know more targeted than others i mean they say that right but as as we as we've talked about here on the show before, if I buy something for Amazon, I start getting Facebook advertisements or whatever for the same item for that. Yeah. So it's lately, so, dumb. so back in February or sometime, I returned to playing World of Warcraft, and mm-hmm. since then, I'm getting advertisements to play World of Warcraft. And that, that, <laughs> that's the opposite of what you want. You yeah. don't like if they had been targeting me with this in like December or January, that would have been yeah. that would have made sense, right? But they waited until I was talking about having re-engaged it to serve me ads for it, and that that's common. And I never it noticed it until you pointed it out to me. But yeah, that's they never. Wow, I can't believe me. you didn't notice it. It just bangs I, me over the head. I just ignore ads, I right? See. Yeah. But yeah, once once you pointed out that you know they only really serve you ads after you've already purchased the service or the good that they are trying to sell right. you. It. Like I'm, I'm getting NordVPN ads and stuff like that because I mentioned Windscribe VPN, and it's just, it's just silly. If I've already picked a VPN server, you're not going to jump ship, right? Just, most of the time, just because yours offers, you know, built-in ad blocking or whatever, I, I don't care about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, you, you're, you've got some great criticisms of the current digital ad model, but the reality is that's where things are going. I mean, whether we like it or not, uh, that's, that's just the, the nature of the see, advertising business. I don't think it can sustain itself, though, because, I mean, Activision, Blizzard, whoever, they're not making any money off of those advertisements because they're only being served to to people who are, who are already, already customers. Yeah. Right. So I'm not sure the model is sustainable. It it looks like oh, yeah. it could be, but 
they become too focused on on targeted advertising. Mm. You know, instead of targeting you know, just gamers in general, they're just targeting people who have an interest in World of Warcraft or whatever. Well, there may still be that. So, I mean, if you're on a video gaming website, then obviously you can buy a general, you know, if you, if you want to advertise your new video game, you go to GameSpot or whatever the, the current hot video gaming sites are and buy a sponsorship there. And then you'll get all the eyeballs that are going to that site. So there are still are ways to buy digital and, and, and hit an entire specific audience, but not do what you're talking about. Um, but that is so common on the internet. And I agree with you. I don't. Th- I don't think it's a particularly good model. But the point I, I, I guess I, I was generally making is that the old models are going away, and and so these events, these industry events, are are very um, insular. There, there, there's a. It's almost like a closed system. There's only so many thousand people. Um, incestuous might be a, a, the right word for it. There's only so many people that work for sure. ABC, NBC. You know, you fill in the blanks of whatever the the companies are, and and they kind of move around. So and the same thing's true in the radio business, where this one program director works over at station A in New York City, and then he'll pop up in LA after a couple of years. They just are constantly shuffling and moving, but it's always the same group of people. So you go to these conventions, or at least I can speak to the radio conventions. You go to the the talk radio conventions, and over the 15 years that I've been going to these things, I've seen the same people again and again. It's just their job titles change and who they're working for changes. So I can't imagine that... The- Do their job titles change in like a general upward trajectory, though? Sometimes, like, like yeah. When you're there, like, sure. I'm the talk radio host, and next year, like, oh, yeah, I'm the programming director at this station or whatever. I mean, that has happened. Yeah. Okay. Sure. But sometimes it's just shuffling. It's sometimes like, it's, you lateral. go from one station to another. Yeah, okay. exactly. One company to uh, another company with similar jobs between them. And that's just the way it is. So I'm sure the, the press business is exactly the same way. That's why when you meet one guy one year and then you call, you've got a good relationship with him, you had a few drinks at the, the convention and you need a new job, you call him up and maybe he'll give you one. So I think that's what these things are mostly for because these people don't really want to go and see Biden speak for 10 minutes, right? Like, let's, that's not the reason you go to an event like that. No. You don't go to see the speakers. I wouldn't go to any event to see Joe Biden speak no. for Well, I mean, if he was like, if, they, if he wasn't on whatever drugs they give him to make him alert and focused. If yeah. He, if I was going to get, you know, the kids love stroking my leg hair, Joe Biden. I, that's I would, worth watching. Yeah, I would go to that one. But you never know if that's what you're going to get, right? <laughs> right. It's like, how much Adderall did they give him today? Is Is he going to form coherent sentences or is he going to talk about how... What was that guy's name? Uh, Bubba was a bad dude or whatever. I don't, I don't remember the name he gave now. Yeah, Corn if you Pop, can get Corn video. Corn Pop was a bad dude. If you can get video of a Biden gaffe, it's guaranteed viral, right? You're guaranteed to get 500,000 views. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. If you want to weigh in here, we're going to talk about a little bit about propaganda in a different way. This time, Russian propaganda uh, through broadcast radio. This is Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It's Free Talk Live. The phones are open. You can join us here at the number 
603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Aria in the studio here tonight. You can comment on whatever's on your mind. We are talking about propaganda. We started out with the story about the press correspondence dinner and somebody from the Washington Post just freaking out over, I guess, having to attend this dinner where they voluntarily chose to go and then proceeded to have a nervous breakdown about being amongst a few hundred people in a room together. Well, that's what's weird, right? First of all, you're absolutely right. She did not have to go. But she started out having a really good time, apparently. (laughs) And then she got really upset. And it's unclear what led from, you know, her smiling and taking selfies to her panicking and saying that there were no exits and she was trapped at the trapped between tables or whatever it was that nonsense that she said. Yeah. Something seems to have, I hate using terminology, but something triggered her. Right. Sure. So I don't know. Panic attack, anxiety. Yeah. I don't know. She just, you know, had one too many drinks and she was looking around going, Oh my God, there's actually a lot of people in here. Cause (laughs) this happened to me at uh, louder than life last year where, you know, when when you're having, one of these experiences, you're having a good time. You're not paying attention to the number of people around you. Okay. But then I turned around and there was just a sea of faces and people front to back. There's no, There was actually no room to actually move. And it, mm. sure enough, straight up panic attack as a result of that. Really? So, I would expect that you would be comfortable uh, in a crowd. I mean, you've been to countless concerts. This was predicated. The reason I turned around the first place was because I, the, it was in the middle of one of the crowd crunches, which is where everyone rushes to the stage, oh. and I was pushed so so far to the front to the, that okay. I couldn't breathe. Because, That's uncomfortable. Yeah, so that yeah. was why I was like, turn away, turn around, I was going to push my way out of the crowd, mm. and that was when I saw just, just this hundreds and hundreds of yards sea of faces and people shoulder to shoulder, front to back. It's like... Just too much for you, huh? Well... It's either that or, you know, continue not breathing. Okay. So push your way out of it. So I, <laughs> it sounds like she had a similar experience where she was she was having a good time, then something happened, mm. and then she turned around and, you know, lucidity took over. She goes, oh, okay, yeah, there's there's a lot of people here. I need to, I'm not handling this okay. And then she couldn't get out from between the tables, apparently. She said she was, quote, literally trapped. Yeah, she said there uh, were no exits. So, <laughs> Which I mean, is totally not true. Like, you don't get to build a convention center that doesn't have it. Well, uh, you can't get in exits. if there's no exits, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> there's always going to be fire exits. There's more than one way to get into any kind of place that's even somewhat modern. So, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I think uh, she just had a panic attack yeah. or something. And, you know, and decided to have it on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, you never want to do that, though. Let's go to uh, Stephen. He's on the line in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Stephen. Hey, guys. How are y'all? What's on your mind? Um, So last night, I was headed home, uh, you know, headed to my home, driving my property, um, and these really weird blue lights get behind me. Well, let me rephrase that. I'm driving home, and this Dodge Charger gets right up behind me to the point that I can't see. So I do the reasonable thing and I slow down. Mm -hmm. And when he stays right behind me, I do the next reasonable thing and I get over. And so he blue lights me. I drive down the road to a gas station Mm. um, and he 
is on the intercom screaming at me. Oh God! I get, I get. Hold, hold on, station. before you before you go on, how long was it between when the blue lights came on and you got to the gas station? Quarter mile, half mile. Okay, so it was it was within sight. It was within visible distance. And I mean, usually they don't. Yeah. Yeah, usually they don't mind that. As long as you know you hit your brakes and you put on a turn signal or your mm-hmm. hazards or whatever, you make it clear that you're going to cooperate. You're just looking at a safe place to do it. They usually, in my experience, they tend to not mind that. And sometimes they actually appreciate it. And it depends on how amped up uh, or how roided out or whatever this guy was. Well, he was clearly roided was. out. I mean, yeah. just like a predator. You can tell when they get behind you like that, you yeah. know you know they're out for blood. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that's all the more reason to go to a public place where there's video cameras around and potential witnesses. So I think it was a good move to do that. Uh, tell the rest of the story. Go ahead. So um, I get into the gas station, and he walks up. The gun is deholstered, um, and... Did you say the deholstered? Yeah, the gun the gun is out of the holster. Okay, got it. So he's holding it in um, his hands. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Look, another You're getting pulled car. over right now? No. Okay. Um, you can't pull me over while I'm walking, can you? Um, but the gun is deholstered, and he walks up. And so I do the reasonable thing, right? And my hands are on the steering wheel, and um, hands, are on the, <laughs> hands are on the steering wheel. I'm having PTSD flashback, guys. Um, and he goes, hey, roll your window down. And I looked, up, I looked at him, and the window's, like, kind of down. He can hear me. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say, here's the deal, man. Um, I'm not moving my hands until that gun is back in its holster. Just to clarify, um, did he have the gun pointing at you? Um, it was at what's called a low ready, so mm-hmm. he has his left hand on his chest, his right hand's holding the gun, and it's kind of like canted, and that is that is so, if he needs to shoot me, it takes milliseconds, right. not seconds. I gotcha, okay. <clears throat> and so, he, he starts barking orders, and I'm like, look dude, not moving. And at one point, he's wearing a polo shirt, <clears throat> and at one point, I'm wondering, is he a real police officer? Legitimate and, concern? Yeah. And so he's, he's not wearing the uniform I typically see them in. Mm-hmm. And I asked him for his badge number, and he goes, who are you? And I said, um, <laughs> look, man, you ran my, like, I know you ran my plates. You know who I am. Um, you're acting this way because you ran my plates. And he goes, well, um, I know you don't have car insurance, so this vehicle's not moving. It's okay. Um. What are we doing? Like, what's the reason for the stop? He's screaming. Sergeant comes up. Sergeant, like, orders me out of the car. I said, I am not moving, Sergeant, until that gun is in its holster. I said, I have no legal reason to do anything right now. I am under duress. I am afraid for my life. He is threatening me right now with that weapon. I'm not moving. Not happening. And so a bunch of officers come in. And to their credit, they're level-headed. They move him. I'm like, look, I'm not getting out of this vehicle until he's gone. He pointed a weapon in my general direction. In the state of Georgia, that is a death threat. I am scared for my life. So even after multiple other police officers showed up, he, he continued keeping his gun at the ready? 
um, so he has the gun at the ready, and then they move him away, and then they order him to holster it. But he's walking around the parking lot like a shark looking for blood. <laughs> wow. I mean, like he's a predator. That's what they do. Out. Yeah. And so he's freaking out. And I go, look, I'm not complying with any orders until I feel that my life is not in jeopardy. And right now, his presence makes me afraid for my life. So they explain to me that I don't have insurance. I show them the papers. They say it's not showing up in their system. And I requested to know the reason for the stop. Mm -hmm. In Georgia, they can't run your tag until they have probable cause. Really? You have to give them a reason. Yeah. Okay. And so you have to do something. Now, that something can be no tail light. That something can be no tag light. Mm -hmm. There's a thousand ways they can run it. But I want to know why he ran it. They don't tell me why. I go, look. This is against the law. You're not doing anything else. So what they do, what do reasonable people do? They go, yeah, you're right. We messed up. And they walk away. But no, they're not reasonable. No, they're they'll government. double down. So they pointed, yeah. So they pointed a taser at me, um, told me if I went back to the car that I was going to I was going to jail. Or maybe they said prison. I don't know. Wow. Um, and I said, here's the deal. You take my stuff. Hold on. And we're done. <laughs> we're going to get uh, more of the story. It's pretty intense. And I got to say, I always enjoy a good story of somebody that actually knows their rights interacting with the police who don't care about your rights. Well, he's alive to talk with us today. So that's a good sign. Uh, so we'll find out how this thing wraps up in moments. More with Stephen and your calls and thoughts are welcome at 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open. You can join us here at 603-283-6160. We're going to talk about Russian propaganda in the United States on the way here. Tonight, it's Ian. And Aria. We're going to more of your calls and thoughts, though, uh, to continue with Stephen's call. He had dialed in to tell us about a a pretty harrowing-sounding experience with, uh, I don't know if it was county sheriffs, but local cops pulling him over uh, he had some super aggressive cop riding his, uh, you know, riding his car's butt, and uh, he as they do, man. Sometimes they do, and they get really upset if you don't pull over right away. Or at least that was my experience when I was in the South before I moved to New Hampshire. I had the good fortune of only getting pulled over, I think, three times in the few years that I was able to drive before that. I don't know, ten years that I was able to drive in in Florida before I left. And one time I had one of these guys that was just riding up on me and I, I wanted to pull over at a, at a uh, you know, lighted area or something like that. And this guy started getting really angry and started flashing the uh, lights and started yelling over the PA system. And it was, it was nuts. But we've got uh, Stephen still on the line with us here. And you had a similar situation, except the dude in your case actually drew his gun as he approached the car. You said, I'm not doing anything when he was demanding you do A, B, or C. You said, I'm not going to do anything until you put that gun away. And then uh, I guess he called in a sergeant or you demanded the sergeant be called in. Somebody else comes in and eventually enough men showed up. uh, The police guys showed up to pull this psychopath away from you. And that's kind of where you left the story off. Yeah. And so I'll get to to how the backup got there later because it's important. But um, 
I look at this guy and I'm like, hey, are you even a cop? And that just agitates him. And so backup gets there and all this is going on and so on and so forth. And they tell me that the insurance isn't showing up in the system. So I pull up on my phone the insurance policy mm-hmm. and I show them, here's the VIN number. You can check it. Here's this. You can check that. The insurance is valid. Here is the last debit card payment. Like, it's all good. Like, we're not playing this game. We're good. Just leave me alone. I'm going home now. And they go, well, it's not in our system. And the DDS, Department of Driver Services, is showing you to have um, a a quote-unquote suspended tag. And Uh I said, okay, um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk in that gas station, and they're going to tell me I can park the car here, and I'll just leave, right? Because y'all are psychos. I told that to the sergeant, and he goes, excuse me? I said, I'm leaving my car here. Y'all are psychopaths. Have a great day. I was I was a half mile from home. I was going to walk there, have my roommate drive me home, drive mm-hmm. back to the gas station, grab the, grab the car, and leave, right? Sure. And whatever. So he decides that they're going to tow it instead. I said, you don't have my permission to tow my vehicle. They said, we're going to search your vehicle. I said, you don't have permission to search my vehicle. How can they, they tow yeah. your, your car if it's not on the side of the road? Is that just a Georgia? Oh. Uh, are they authorized to take any car that's got a suspended tag or something? Officer discretion allows them to take any vehicle they think is a hazard to the roadway. And cars without valid insurance and or suspended tags are hazards to the roadway. Even on private property? Even on private property. Wow. So they, so I tell them they're not allowed to tow it. They tell me that if I keep arguing, I'm going to jail. And I said, that's real American of you. I'm so happy you're just like Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> like, give yourself a medal. Put handcuffs on me. I dare you. I dare you. Let's go. Let's do this. Send me to jail. You haven't seen me yet. Try me. And one of one of the officers goes for his handcuffs, and I just stare at him. And the sergeant puts everyone calm. He goes, look, man, we're towing the vehicle. I said, like, no, you're not. No, you're not. They tow the vehicle. In the process of towing the vehicle, they say, um, and this is important. I have a, um, I live in a state where if you're a combat vet, you get to carry your pistol without, um, the, without the permit, there's a thing on your license that designates you as a vet. Okay. So you just show the thing, that's your permit, you're good to go. I said, there's a gun in the car, you're not touching my weapon, under no circumstance. Sergeant says, you can't have it right now. I said, you can't have this attitude right now, bro. Um, he gets really upset. I stare at him. Um, they eventually let me take the gun. But when they hand me the gun, they hand it to me with the magazine out and the ammo out of the mag. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I start, as soon as they walk away, I zip it up. Like I'm not dealing with an unloaded firearm. You're an idiot. When you say you zip it up, you mean you started loading uh, the magazine and attempted to put the gun back in working order. I didn't, I did not attempt to, I did it. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know if they interrupted you. I wasn't going to presume they let you. And so, I just got done grocery shopping, and I have a bunch of chicken and eggs and different stuff. 
uh, not a large shopping trip, but a shopping trip nonetheless. And he like the the angry cop is heckling me. He's like, "Who needs that much chicken?" And here is the <laughs> really? I assume you have video of this, right? Um. So yes, and I'll get to that because that's important. Um. There, I am five foot nine and one hundred and thirty eight pounds, soft okay. and wet. I am not a big dude. Yeah. And he says something. I go, dude, mutual combat's like illegal in the state of Georgia. Like, you seem really, really angry. If, if you need to let some of your frustration go, like, come on, I'm ready. And the sergeant gets really upset, and they decide that um, they decide that it's my, my vehicle's towed, the gun's in my, my possession, the groceries are in my hands. I go to walk down the road, and lo and behold, who shows up? The lieutenant. So the lieutenant pulls over and goes, hey, man, you can't walk home. I look at him, I go, what you the tell hell? Me what I, can? I go, if you tell me what I can and cannot do one more time, we're going to have an issue. I am not, I am not a peasant, and you are not on behalf of the king. And he goes, it's really dangerous. Please get in the car. I need to talk to you. And he says, <sighs> I really, I, he goes, I came in because of this. I'm off shift. I am in charge of all the road deputies. I said, well, you're in charge of a bunch of nincompoops. I didn't say nincompoops. Thanks. Um, yeah, you you kick me off the air real quick. You scream and press a button, and I'm gone. <laughs> um, and so the the captain is trying to talk to me, and I say, let me ask you something. He goes, what's that? I said, when you ran my tag, what do you see? And in Georgia, we have a special VA, right? We have a special Veterans Administration, and for some reason that ties into everything. And so they can see that I'm a vet, mm-hmm. and they can also see that I've been arrested at a bunch of protests for a bunch of nonsense. And I say, look, man, you know, you know who I am. So let me explain something to you. In about 10 years when, you, when you're retired, you're going to look back at all the nonsense, and you're going to realize how much you victimized people. That's what I did. When I left Afghanistan, I left Afghanistan knowing I was the good guy. They were the scum. As I mature as a human, as I think about these things, as I reflect, I realize, no, I went into their backyard with a gun and told them what they could and could not do, kind of like a cop. A lot of those guys Um, became cops, too. And, yeah, valid point. And I explained to the captain, you need to think about these things not from a legal perspective, from an ethical perspective. Here's my paperwork. He goes, well, here's the deal. At this point, your car is towed. I see the paperwork. We'll work on this in the morning. I said, fine. I call GDS. GDS says my tag is valid. I call the tow truck company. They have my vehicle. And they don't know how much it's going to cost yet because they have to factor in all the stuff. That's a nightmare. I called the sheriff's department, and they wrote me a ticket for lack of insurance. I say, hey, I need to talk to the sheriff. Like, we need to have a conversation about this. Because you have insurance, you showed them the paperwork that shows that you have insurance, and further, the Department of Motor Vehicles says the car is not suspended. Yeah, exactly. All right, where's all this going, man? This is a long story. Well, so I I talked to him, and I I have a question. I'll I'll skip to the question. How do we, how, how do you not get your car towed? Like, what did I do wrong here? So I have just driven off? But my thing is, I drive off, and I'm probably getting shot in a, in a slow speed chase. 
Yeah, I mean, you get your car towed because these guys have guns and they're going to do whatever it is that they want to do and they have the discretion to do so. And sadly, that's the end of the story. And if there is more to the story, call us another night and uh, you can tell us the rest of it. But I appreciate it, man. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. Pretty intense situation. And I hope that video, uh, I hope to put it online so people can, can see it. Because I really, I love seeing people stand up for themselves. And I appreciate that aspect of it for sure. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. We're kicking off the second hour of the show. Phones are open at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Aria. You can join us online. Head over to freetalklive.com and you can enjoy the features waiting for you there. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, there's uh, archives that go back for years. Just click and download as many shows as you like. You can subscribe to our podcast. Go to feeds.freetalklive.com. You'll find the RSS feeds you need for that there. That's feeds.freetalklive.com. We go to your phone calls and thoughts. David is on the line in Arizona. David, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Aria. Yeah, uh, good evening, Ian and Aria. Welcome. I'm a, an elected sheriff, a border sheriff in Arizona, so so feel free to boo uh, before we continue. <laughs> okay. Uh, when you uh, say you're a border yeah. sheriff, does that mean you're working for the state as a as a sheriff? Just to clarify. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm I'm the the elected sheriff for one of the four border counties in Arizona. This county has the largest border patrol station in the United States and the third largest largest in the United States. We have the largest largest ports of entry with Mexico. I'm confused, wow. and I Arizona. just need a little clarification that having you know, run for sheriff myself, are are you the <laughs> sheriff of the county, or is like border sheriff a, a different position than just sheriff? No, there's 15 counties in Arizona, and there's four that are on the border, and I'm in one of those border okay. counties. So, so you're a sheriff that happens to be, okay, gotcha. Yeah, and kind of the reason I'm calling in tonight, there's so much hype on um, this whole Title 42 thing. I think one of the last, last I think it was the last caller last night that called in to the captain was a woman talking about, uh, you know, she had the right position on opposing mandates to do with the coronavirus, as I have also done. But when it came to the border stuff, she was the, the inevitable invasion, the caravans, the surge, all this kind of nonsense. And, you know, this, if you, if you guys are familiar with the whole Title 42 issue, it's this no, boondoggle, no. this red, red herring thing. Yeah, it's, uh, it? it's in the news a lot right now. What it is, 
It's the thing that Trump started and then Biden continued that said um, all the people coming across the border would be deported immediately without processing because of the fear that they all had COVID. So they wouldn't do any kind of processing or anything. And it's kind of weird. It Mm. turned into this thing where both the right and the left agree that people should be kept kept out of the U.S., but for different reasons. You know, mm-hmm. the, the left wants to put a mask on everybody, PCR tests, vaccinations. The right, uh, a lot of them say that's invalid, but they want to keep this health exclusion going for people crossing the border, uh, but they don't mention any kind of a health issue anymore. And it's really weird. Like we have a our U.S. or two U.S. senators here are both Democrats, and it's also a gov- uh, gubernatorial election year, and they all call me to try to get little sound bites about how they are tough on the border. And I'll tell them, look, there's no border crisis. I was born here. I grew up here. Um, you know, we don't need more border patrol agents. You know, they, they push me around. They push everybody else around. Um, hold, hold on you a may second. remember hey, Ian, but, 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 several years ago, I wrote a book on this topic to try to sort of discuss why libertarians, some people that want the state to go away. What was the book? It sounds kind of familiar. What was the book called? Yeah, it was called, Immigration, individual versus national borders, which basically it made the point that you have the absolute right to invite or exclude anybody onto your property, but the nation doesn't have the right to create another border around your property and tell people that you that they can't come onto your par, uh, property if it's a voluntary transaction. And Scott Horton did a nice long uh, introduction for it, and Will get, Will Will Grigg did a did a blurb for it also. How in the, the hell cover, did you become it, sheriff? With your, <laughs> hold on. A second. I've been curious about that too. Since you said you were sheriff, I was like, okay, he's he's got a he's got a right wing conservative talking point coming, and I've been waiting on it, and it's just not it hasn't coming. Uh, your name yeah. is David. Well, you know, and what, what's your what's your Hath- name again? Hath- David Hathaway. David and, Hathaway. You know, it's, from which county? Yeah, I'm I, Santa Cruz County, Arizona, and. If you want to read more of what I've written, I've written a lot for the Libertarian Institute and LewRockwell.com. And, and I, I just thought, well, I, I'm sick of the tyrants here, and I thought I would run for it and see what happens, not expecting oh to win. God. But it was, a, you know, it was just not knocking on thousands of doors. And I speak Spanish, and this is a largely Hispanic okay. community. So, you know, um, did wow. a lot of Spanish media. I, I think about all of my interviews were Spanish media because all the TV and radio stations here are Spanish. So, that's amazing. Um, you know, it's, it, and, and, it's, and I actually won in a landslide that I was replacing the longest serving sheriff in Arizona. He was there for seven four year terms. And so everybody and their brother wanted to run. There were six candidates. Wow. And I, I came out hard against all the mask mandates and vaccine passports and all that kind of stuff. And people told me, you shot yourself in the foot, you know, <laughs> you cost yourself the election. And, and I thought, and well, you people won. are that dumb. I, I deserve to lose and I don't have the desire to run anybody's life or anything. It's, it's, you know, everyone else campaign on a crisis. We need more DUI checkpoints. We need a bigger drug war. And I did the opposite of that and just thinking, well, it'll be an opportunity to educate the public, but I didn't expect to win. But at the end, ultimately I, I got four times as many votes as the guy who came in second place. So it was kind of surprising. Congratulations. That's amazing. I believe it because that's all we ever hear is, you know, do we need more DUI checkpoints? We've got the caravans. We've got an immigration crisis. And you're yeah. coming out. You're saying, no, uh, turn off the TV. Look outside your window. Everything's fine. And people go, <laughs> it, it, oh, okay, he's right. It's Everything really weird. I, I, 
I, I live right along the border and me and my wife take walks every night right along the border and mm. it's peaceful and everything. And all the networks have come to me and say, I've done ride alongs with Fox news and ABC, CBS, NBC with Telemundo, Univision, the, the, the Spanish and English networks. And mm -hmm. they say, take me to the place where there's the big surge of people coming in waves across the border. And I say, well, I'll take you to the border, but all you're going to hear is the wind blowing and the birds chirping. It's just <laughs> so much nonsense. It's just, the sky is falling, the crisis mongering. And a really weird thing happened in the last, over the last two years, they, there's about 4 million legal visa holders in Mexico and they wouldn't let any of them come across because of, you know, COVID. Mm -hmm. So it was, they, they turned them all away at the legal ports of entry. So a lot of them came across between the ports of entry. So these are people that have legal visas um, to enter in the U.S., but they were all turned around and deported under this Title 42 thing so it it made it made bigger numbers for the uh, the the apprehension statistics by CBP and Border Patrol because it's mm -hmm. a problem they cause. You know that's the the formula for government action is create a crisis, articulate a crisis, and then present yourself as the solution. Mm -hmm. So they got bigger numbers through this Title 42 thing, which did immediate deportations of a lot of people that actually had visas legal right visas so as in. you pointed out no but, due process for these people just no. oh sorry covid you gotta go and then they're out yeah, and you exactly. said biden continued this thing and yeah. just to clarify since this is an elected position you didn't have to have law enforcement experience to get it yeah uh, well i didn't have to but i did have uh before i wrote that book i did work for the dea you know and witnessed really? all the failed drug war and all that kind of stuff oh so, wow you know and back back to the numbers a little bit so since there was no processing, 40% of the people coming across were repeat attempts, like repeat crossers. So it added to the statistics, made huh. the Border Patrol Union all excited because, oh, look, we can report bigger numbers. But well, I just, don't blame uh, them. If they had a legitimate visa to be here in the United States, and, it's like, and there's no punishment for getting caught crossing, and they're like, Try no, again. I'm rightfully supposed to be there. All I have to do is get past this border, and then I'm fine. So I yeah, can't say I blame them. I'm disappointed in a lot of libertarians, too, because a lot of libertarians, anarchists would say that they kind of would lean towards the conservative position on the whole COVID thing and say, look, all these Mexicans are coming across the border and they don't have to take a PCR test or wear a mask or take take a shot. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, be careful what you ask for, because next thing that happened, they made a vaccine mandate for people coming across the Mexican border and the Canadian border. And there was no opposition on the right because, you know, there are Mexicans. There was no opposition on the left because, oh, it's a health crisis. Everybody should get a shot. So it just left. And I, like I said, I was disappointed in a lot of supposed anarchists that they they kind of took that that neoconservative position on that issue, yeah. and, and I, I think that's too bad. David, um, I've got more questions for you. Do you have time? Sure, yeah. All right, more with uh, David Hathaway. He is the sheriff. <laughs> Apparently, there's a libertarian sheriff out there, and he listens to our used show. To be, man. Uh, which is really amazing. Uh, shocking, yes. This is like one of the best-kept libertarian secrets out there. I had no idea. Uh, there's more coming up here, because libertarians don't usually don't get higher election than dog catcher. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything you want. Right here, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. 
And sometimes open phones really brings in some amazing <laughs> stuff. That's why I love doing an open phone show, because you never know what you're going to get. And we started out the show talking about propaganda, news media, and then somebody called from Georgia about out-of-control cops, and then an actual sheriff uh, from Nogales. But it's not what you think, right? No, it was not at all <laughs> what, what I thought. I mean, it's easy to jump to a conclusion about, oh boy, you know, here comes uh, some sort of right-winger or whatever. Well, I mean, that but, was the assumption. I mean, he called and he, you know, he made a joke. Yes, I'm a sheriff, so go ahead and get your boots out of the way. I mean... I, neither of us booed because we're like, no. well, wait a minute, this guy's listening to us, so let's hear him out, right? Yeah, and we heard him out, and his name is David Hathaway, and he won election uh, in the area of Nogales, Arizona, which I believe, David, you said was the number one border uh, crossing area as far as traffic is concerned, like regular traffic, cars and such, going across the border there in uh, in Arizona, Relatively small population county, Santa Cruz County. I looked it up. It's about 46,000 people. Uh, you got elected for the first time to replace a four-term or seven-term, seven, term, seven uh, four-year term sheriff there in uh, in the county. David, and, I'm curious. Um, and you're a libertarian. I don't know if you use that word to describe yourself, but uh, you definitely seem like it. You, you're pro-immigration. It seems like you're... A, you uh, are a critic of the war on drugs, and uh, sorry, Aria had a question. No, that, that was pretty much going to be my question: yeah. is you know what what party you ran under, or is this a nonpartisan election? Yeah, well, I would consider myself, you know, nonpolitical. You know, uh, if I have to use a word, anarchist or volu- voluntarist, voluntarist. But um, no, nobody has ever been elected in this county other than in the Democrat Party. So mm. when I was first going to run. I'd ask some different people, said, I'd like to run under no party or just independent. And they said, well, if you just want to make a statement, yeah, you could do that. But if you want to win, you have to run as a Democrat. This is one of those counties that's, I think it's 84% uh, Democrat. Hmm. So um, that that's how I run, ran. Amazing. But you were in a multiple uh, candidate race, because like you said, this other guy, it sounded like he was retiring, and that's why he left the seat? Yeah, he'd... He had been a city cop for 25 years. He retired from that, and then he was the sheriff for 28 years after that. So he was in his late 70s, and he had been doing basically the same thing in this community, law enforcement, for 50-some years. And a bunch of people threw their hats into the race. You said it was like a six-way race, and you just shut them all down. You went door-to-door. You speak Spanish, so you did a ton of uh, Mexican, or not Mexican, but uh, Hispanic uh, radio and and television and such. And that really helped you connect with with the community out there. And they must have liked what they heard about you being absolutely sane when it came to uh, welcoming people to (laughs) to the United States. Yeah. You know, I would challenge him, anybody to find any negative crisis type uh, pitch that I made during the campaign. I just stayed very positive. When I'd knock on doors, I'd ask people about their families. My wife would go with me. She wrote a letter to every person we talked to. Uh, some people act like it's a curse to get petition signatures, but I got 10 times as many signatures as I needed because I get a name and an address with each one. And my my wife would stay up to midnight every night writing letters, individualized letters, not photocopy, handwritten letters to these people, wrote mm-hmm. thousands of letters. Wow. And in this day and age when it's just text message and email, that meant a lot to people. And to this day, people still come hug my wife that she doesn't know or she doesn't remember mm-hmm. at the grocery store and say, oh, thank you so much for that letter. I still have it. But it was just wow. old-fashioned campaigning like the way 
Ron Paul would campaign. And she was writing they, letters they just would, as a thank you to them? I mean, it wasn't clear what the letter was yeah. for. Was yeah, for. a personalized letter, you know, like if they mentioned something about their son or daughter was in the hospital or if they had a pet dog or, or they had a nice garden with tomatoes. She would take notes during the conversation and write a personalized letter. This was letter. when you were going door-to-door uh, talking to people? She just When we were going door-to-door. Yeah, just trying to be the friendly campaign. Uh, just saying positive things, wow. telling people I wanted to be an ambassador for our county to get out the positive. Never said any kind of a crisis, you know, about mm-hmm. anything, you know, where the government needs to come in and manage your life and tell you what to do. You know, I told everybody people, no, I else is uh, is pushing fear, of course, as you, you know, yeah. you need the sheriff to save you from all the boogeymen uh, out and, there. And unfortunately, the other border sheriffs here, unfortunately, they realize there's a lot of retired people in arizona that are easy to scare Mm -hmm. and that's their that's their voter base and they try to scare these people and say oh it's so out of control if it wasn't for me you need to give me more money you need to give me another helicopter i Mm. need to hire more people Uh, bigger jails you know because all these people are gonna overrun you and kill you and they're all murderers and drug dealers and rapists and whatnot like so they capitalize on that they know it's not true but they know their voter base like arizona has a nice climate and have a lot of people that come retire out here. But I have a question about that, though, because people. you mentioned that it's primarily Democrats. So so how did this fear mongering about immigrants work prior to COVID-19? Because well, the, the mythology, county, at least, my, is that Democrats are pro-immigration. Yeah. Well, yeah. In, in, in my county, it's primarily Democrat. The other border counties, like, for example, Cochise County, Yuma County, uh, they're primarily uh, Republican, a lot of retired people from the Midwest and from the East Coast that come out here. And like I said, it's it's easy to scare them. So a- Arizona does the same in the governor race, in the Senate race, uh, you know, congressional races. It's kind of really weird now. I've had both of our U.S. senators. Um, they're Democrats, but they have gone into border crisis mode. They've called me and said, hey, can you give a, give me a quote? People are saying I'm not tough enough on the border, and I'm saying no. You're a you're a border crisis monger. Like they, both of our U.S. senators that are Democrats, Mark Kelly and Kirsten Cinema, have both up, both opposed list, lifting this Title 42, this thing hmm. that says everybody needs to be deported in an expedited manner with no processing, because they think they want to get the conservative votes in this state too. So they're becoming border crisis mongers, and hmm. we're also in a governor election year where there's gubernatorial race i have been called and they come by and and meet me all of the governor candidates and they all want me to give them a quote about how they're tough on the border and i'm like you're talking to the wrong guy wow it doesn't matter if they're democrat or republican they're all trying to push this border fear because they think that's the formula for getting elected and i said i'll i'll take you and show you the border i live right along the border you can see that it's peaceful and how many of them took you up on the offer uh, one did, uh, wow. one named Katie Hobbs. She's the current secretary of state uh, for the state of Arizona, and she's running running for governor. And the libertarian candidate, uh, Drew Heaton, uh, of course, you know, she has a very common sense uh, attitude on the whole thing, but she took me up on the on the border tour. So you've been in office now. Uh, you got elected in 2020. You've been there more than a year and a half at this point. Uh, what have you managed to end the war on drugs? Like, give us some uh, some success stories here. <laughs> You know, well, I've done a lot of podcasts, you know, I've done Spike Cohen and Tom Woods and Mark Victor and different people. And that's kind of one of the the things I can't do anything about because I would like to go into the jail and just release anybody that had anything related to a substance abuse type charge. But 
I would be found in contempt of court. You know, they're in there under uh, court orders being held either uh, pre-conviction. Most of them are pre-conviction because county jails, after they're convicted, they're sent to, to a state a state prison. You know, if I did that, I would be out on my ear. Uh, I want to hear more about it. Hang on, David. You can come back and talk more about this. There would be a constitutional crisis, certainly, but they couldn't fire you. David, do you have time for another segment? Sure. Yeah, right. sure. Stand by. Well, contempt of court, they could put him in inside his own jail. Who's going to arrest him? He's the sheriff. <laughs> the court guards, probably. We'll continue here in moments. Uh, it is an interesting question. More on the way. Insight Daily Radio Minute. Conversations with today's most interesting artists and creators. Author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keillor has been a fixture in popular culture with over 30 best-selling books and his Prairie Home Companion radio program since the 1970s. And he has a new book entitled Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel. We caught up with Garrison to chat about his new book and the beginnings of the radio program that brought the fictional town of Lake Wobegon to life. It's an interesting novel in that I go to funerals of people I went to high school with, my, my best friends. I give a eulogy, and it's such a good eulogy that I'm asked to deliver the eulogies at other funerals, including people who I never cared for whatsoever. That's author and humorist Garrison Keillor, whose new book, Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel, comes out April 11th. See Garrison Keillor live on stage May 2nd at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Keillor will be joined by iconic artists, including country music star Brad Paisley, soprano Ellie Dean, Elvin Bishop's Big Fun Trio, vocalist Heather Massey, and many more. Enjoy a live show filled with Lake Wobegon stories, humor, music, and audience sing-alongs. Red Rock Amphitheater, May 2nd. Reserve your seat today. open you can join us here at 603-283-6160 uh, we're going to continue with uh, what is turning into an interview uh, with uh, david hathaway who called in tonight and i recognize his book from years ago uh, david you are the author of immigration individual versus national borders and the title didn't necessarily ring the bell, but I went and I just looked it up on uh, Amazon, and I definitely recognized that cover. Um, did you sponsor this show many years ago for that book, or did you just send us some copies? Because I've yeah. definitely yeah, fiz- I did. I w- yeah, I was an advertiser for that, and the reason oh, I wrote that you. book it was a personal <laughs> exploration where I didn't understand why some libertarians would support the state on border enforcement where they think, yeah, we can use taxes, which is theft. You know, it's not a voluntary wealth transfer, use taxes to support border guards. Um, and, and I thought, well, I didn't understand, especially certain Austrian economists, not all of them, like Hans Hermann Hoppe and Murray Rothbard. Some of them kind of suggested that you still needed, um, you know, state run border enforcement before you had, you know, a a totally free society. And I never understood that. So I went on a personal Mm -hmm. exploration. And after I read everything they wrote, I wrote a book to refute. It's a real niche book. It's never going to be really a widely read, widely popular book, but it's for libertarians that don't understand 
why there are certain anarchists, certain voluntarists that hate the state and they want the state to go away in every area except border enforcement. So that's why I wrote it, just to refute those arguments. Good. I I have a hard time believing those types of libertarians and anarchists are even real. You know, I mean, I know that intellectually they are, but mm-hmm. it's such a strange concept to me. Yeah, it's just, it's an issue that they're just holding on to for some uh, some reason. And I guess you can learn all about it. Uh, check out well, his book. Yeah, like like Harry Brown, a candidate, libertarian presidential candidate, said years ago, he said, like, you know, generally everybody says that they believe in freedom, whether they're on the right or on the left, but they mm-hmm. have that one little issue that they, something they want the state to do for them. And he said, like, Sadly. why don't you give up your little thing? I'll give up my little thing, and then we can get rid of the income tax. But sadly, that's it. it some people are a statist on one little thing, whether it's like socialized medicine or free, free education or something like that. And I suspect that that's it, that they, they're relying on that Social, Secur- Social Security check, and they think those rascally Mexicans are going to come in <laughs> and, and take my Social Security money, and it won't be there for me that somehow – they want the state some, some they've given into this false promise that the state's going to take care of you. That's the only thing I can Amazing. see like uh, Aria and, and, and I think Ian, you were saying that too, is that they, in, in some way they, they still want the state around. They don't realize how illegitimate it is. And, you know, since it's funded coercively, you know, through theft, uh, anything it does, you know, can't, can't be legitimate. And plus there's no price signals. Like how do you have like something like the sheriff's office, like me, somebody just picks a number out of the air and says, you need a hundred deputies or 200 deputies or a hundred prison guards. Like that's not a market decision. That's not a price signal. You don't have market price signals telling you how much security that people want mm-hmm. you to provide. It's like, completely maybe arbitrary. People would, yeah. Maybe people would provide all of their security and there'd be nothing like institutional security services. Maybe there'd be more, maybe there'd be less, but it's not a, a market creation. It's not a price signal. So right. it's uh, it, 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 something like the sheriff's office that I run. It's not a market creation. It has no legitimacy. How I want to get back to the issue. You know, you, you're, a, you're an actual sheriff in Arizona, Santa Cruz County, elected sheriff. You described yourself earlier as a voluntarist, which I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of libertarian activism or people running for office. So first of all, congratulations for that. But of course, it means we have to hold your feet to the fire to some extent. So let's go back to the drug war issue. You mentioned that if you were to let people out of jail, and I presume that means that as a sheriff, you have jurisdiction over the actual uh, county facility there. Uh, if you were to let people out of jail who are in there for drug charges, that you yourself would then be found in contempt of court and likely be put in that jail? Well, yeah, if there would be a mechanism, there's no there's no higher law enforcement official. There's the, the governor has the state police and mm-hmm. the attorney general. I mean, theoretically, maybe they could swear out some kind of a warrant for malfeasance of office and come arrest me. But, you know, historically, the sheriff was the only law enforcement officer in the United States that came over from English common law. And there all these three letter federal agencies are, you know, 20th century creations, you know, that didn't exist in the days of the founding fathers. And then even city police departments, like a guy named Robert Peel, 
uh, created the first p police department in London, England, and then that was replicated in the U.S., New York, Chicago, Los Angeles. Right. All but of this is sort of what I was alluding to when we were going off previous on the previous break is that you, know, you would you would be creating a constitutional crisis. There's no doubt about that. You know, the the American establishment was scrambled to figure out how to address this issue. But and you address would, it yeah. by by that they mean punish you somehow. But if you well, are indeed the highest law enforcement official, they would they would be scrambling to find some sort of legal authority that would allow them to arrest you or to hold you in contempt or anything like yeah. that. And what they would ultimately find is because they borrowed this from English common law, the position of the sheriff being an elected official, there is nothing they would be able to do to you legally. Well, yeah, the, the that, sheriff is the supposedly the highest law enforcement uh, officer in the county, and supposedly back to the Border Patrol agents in my county, uh, over a thousand of them, like I said, uh, the biggest Border Patrol station and the third biggest in the country are in my county. Technically, wow. the sheriff can exclude anybody else from op operating in a law enforcement function in the county. But you can imagine me telling the Border Patrol that they can't operate in this county. You know, <laughs> I mean, what am I going to do could, about it? You know, I'm, you I'm could, the, right? we're the smallest county in Arizona. And, you know, <laughs> I could say it. I could say it. But, you know. They you would could. just laugh at me and yeah. okay, but let's okay, get, but you have the legal authority and they don't. They'll come up with yeah, something. Well, there's know, no doubt. I mean, the the feds you know, will come up with something. Like somebody like D, like DEA or ATF. If there's a federal agency that's going to do a search warrant in this county, you know, kick in somebody's door like the you know the Crypto Six or something like that. They technically are supposed to, and they usually do, call the sheriff's office to let the sheriff know we're going to be operating in your county. Um, right. Sometimes they don't. But, you know, it's... Well, it's, arrest it's one them of for trespassing, where, Yeah, they're going to do it anyway. They they usually operate under federal warrants, not always, you know, signed by a federal magistrate uh, in, in Arizona. Uh, but, you know, like... <laughs> and a lot of times what they do is in secret. And they try to co-opt the local law enforcement agencies. Mm -hmm. They try to get you to join their task force, you know, and they'll pay, pay the salary or pay the overtime for a, a deputy sheriff or a city police officer just to get you on their side but you know sure because they're going to take they're going uh, to what do they yeah. give like 80 percent in some cases of seizures yeah. to local they, agencies they, and let me tell you something funny about that Ian that happened to, speaking of the civil asset forfeiture yeah they well, before we get too far into that I just want to bring it back to that point that you, know, you can do something about this it's just not a fight you want to fight now I have no issue with that you know you don't want to take on the federal government and the powers that be and create this constitutional crisis I get that but that's different from well, saying you, know, you I can't. Do, I, I do a lot of those, Aria. Yeah, I, I do a lot of those things, and 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 have victories. Like uh, you know, like give us when, a victory. When I first came into office, I knew there was going to be something like the pass, pass, vaccine passport. So I read up on it. I learned about you know uh, informed consent, Nuremberg Code, American with Disabilities Act, the HIPAA Act, all these reasons why you can't mandate somebody's. To, to undergo a certain health procedure. So sure enough, when I was here two weeks in mid-January, when I'd just gotten here, mm. I got a call from the county attorney's office, the elected county attorney saying, um, do you want to make vaccines mandatory for all sheriff's office employees? Because they rolled it out in a tier system, three stages in Arizona, and law enforcement, first responders, was the first ones to get the vaccine because they have contact with the, the public. So they said, do you want to make it mandatory as a condition of employment? And I said, no, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm abiding by the legal principle of informed consent. Um, I don't even know if they get the shot or they don't get the shot. And they said, okay, that makes it easier on us. Two weeks later, one of the board of supervisors called and said, 
what do you think you're doing over there? Because it set a precedent. I was the first one that opposed <laughs> it, so the city police opposed it. He said 50% of the police nice. officers aren't getting the shot. You know, David, uh, you, you, you have time for getting? one more segment with us? Sure. David Hathaway is here. He's a self-described voluntarist, pro-immigration, anti-drug war sheriff in Arizona. There's more coming up. Talk live, and the phones are open here. Uh, if you want to join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's been Ian and Arya, but all of a sudden... We've got nobody. Nobody's here. <laughs> and always good to have you here, nobody. We uh, are on the phone with David Hathaway. He is the current sheriff in Santa Cruz County, uh, Arizona. It's uh, the... Relatively small population, about 45, 46,000 people. Uh, the uh, border county where Nogales is located, and he is a self described voluntarist sheriff. And uh, we're talking about one of his success stories. He hasn't ended the uh, the war on drugs yet, as far as hasn't released everyone from the jail because of concerns over what might happen to him. Which, Which I completely understand. Completely, I realized I sounded like I was probably criticizing her during that last time. Yeah. It's not a criticism at all. I understand. It's not a fight for everyone, dude. Yeah. The state's it's scary. A, it's, a, it's a dumb fight for one to voluntarily take on, for sure. I'll, 100%. It sure would be entertaining, though, if somebody did. But either way, David, you were telling us uh, some success stories that you have had as the uh, the sheriff there. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and I also noticed during the break, apparently you found my book from six years ago somewhere on the shelf. <laughs> was that only six years to, ago? To Aria. I, feel, I feel like it's so uh, much longer. He did. I was complimenting the co- the cover. I really like the design of it. The only thing I don't like is that I think the title of the book should have been in a different color text, so it you know, popped yeah, out from I, the background a bit. Yeah, I think so, because it, it's kind of confusing. But anyway, yeah, but the artwork is great like, on it, so kudos to whoever did your artwork. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's that's a modified version of you know where it says e e uh, e pluribus unum. Mm-hmm. It it actually has it reversed around. It says e unum pluribus. Of, uh, the e pluribus unum means from uh, you know from many one. And I flipped the wording so it means from one to many. You know, splitting nice. up the state. So interesting. Anyway, I didn't even um, notice yeah, that. Yeah, back, back to what I was saying about the uh, the 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 uh, right right when I'd been in office for two weeks. I knew this whole thing about vaccine passports was right around the corner. So I got a call from the county attorney saying they could make it mandatory because we were the first organization to be offered the shot. They, they did it in tiers. And we were the first tier because law enforcement, first responders, a lot of contact with the public. And fortunately, I had read up on it because I expected that to happen. And mm-hmm. I told them, no, I'm going to abide by, abide by the legal principle of informed consent. And it's a violation of the American with Disabilities Act and the HIPAA Act, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, that you can't ask anybody about their health decisions or mandate any health decisions. And it's against the Nuremberg Code. So I told them all that, and they said, okay, that makes it easier for us. But then it set the precedent. And then the fire departments and the police departments were looking to see what I did. And then I got a call from one of our county board of supervisors, an elected official, saying, David, what do you think you're doing? The less than half the people in the in the local police department have refused to take the shot. And he, he demanded to know how many people in the sheriff's office have gotten the shot. And I said, I 
have no idea. Yeah, I'm not going to ask. I'm them. not allowed to ask that information. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, you you had mentioned about civil asset forfeiture. If I could jump back to that, sure. another weird thing that happened is all these sheriffs departments and police departments rely on this stolen money that's just taken from people and no criminal charges are filed. Mm-hmm. They process it through the federal government. The feds keep 20% and give 80% back to the, the, local, the local entity. While a, a legislator in Arizona introduced a bill that said you have to have an underlying crime before you can take somebody's money. You have to have a conviction on an underlying crime, like say that somebody kidnapped a family member of yours and you paid ransom and then somebody found the ransom money in possession of the guy who stole it, well, you know, then you could you could take the money back and forfeit it because there's an underlying crime. But guess what? Well, all the sheriffs in Arizona just went nuts, and they wrote a letter from the Sheriff's Association to the governor and to the legislator saying, um, and, and they wanted it to be unanimous, that all the sheriffs would sign it and say, we need this money, it's essential to our operations. <laughs> and the only change in the law, Ian and Aria and nobody, the only change was they tweaked the wording to say you need to have an underlying crime before you can take the money. And they're used to just grabbing money um, and, and just taking it. And then you have to claim it and try to get it back and, and sue Which the is government. Expensive. And another weird thing that's happening, you know, all these people that want to build the wall, build the wall, build the wall on the border. I tell people, look what happened in East Berlin. The walls don't just keep people out. They, they keep your people from leaving. Mm-hmm. And 10 years ago, they started a pilot project here on the border, searching the cars that are leaving and taking their money. Whoa. The federal officials searching your car, taking your money under civil asset forfeiture. It was intermittent. It was a pilot program, but now it's full-time. They've built a full-time wow. facility southbound. And I tell people, look, you want them to build the wall? Do you want this to be East Berlin, Iron Curtain? They're going to search you going out. If, wow, if you I ever had no idea that was so going on. Of, yeah, if you're so sick of the lack of freedom here and you want to become an expatriate and move to Mazatlan or Cozumel and take mm-hmm. your gold coins and your money with you, they're going to search your car and take it on the way out. You're Holy making these crap. little choke points where these statist individuals can focus in on you and dig through your car and take your money. Like if there wasn't a wall, you could just cross between the ports of entry. So, wow. um, you know, that that's just another thing of this whole civil asset forfeiture. But the sheriffs called me individually and said, David, this needs to be unanimous. All the sheriffs need to sign this letter to oppose this change to civil asset forfeiture where you need to have an actual crime. So I refused to do it. And, and, and to answer Arya's point, like, you know, kind of what am I able to do to oppose some of this stuff? Yeah, I haven't turned turned everybody loose from the jail. But there are little victories like that, you know, where I have, you know, stopped the vaccine mandate that was developing in the county here. And I've opposed civil asset forfeiture. Might not make a big difference, but, you know, Do you have, I don't know. There's little a, victories. There's a lot to be said about little victories, right? Because, I mean, you make this grand victory or this grand fight of releasing everyone from jail and then taking on the federal government. Oh, look, you end up in prison for 45 years and you ended yeah. up not helping anyone. Yeah. Sure, that may be an ideological or a moral victory as opposed to actually being out there and doing things on the ground yeah. and actually having little victory. So it's not like a becoming the black game. sheep of uh, all the yeah. sheriffs, the one guy who refused to join with the rest of them. Boy, they yeah. must be. Pissed. Oh, and you know, people don't mm-hmm. like me. You're exactly right. Ian. they, they don't like me and the County government people here, they all over the last two years became these little petty authoritarian tyrants. I knew all these guys before that on a first name basis. And mm-hmm. I thought they were just benign little, 
you know, administrative bean counters. But once they had the power, man, they told everybody, you got to wear a mask and shut down businesses, shut down churches, you know, so social distancing. They made a rule oh. where you had to ask permission to meet with 10 or more people. You know, and I, I say, hey, that's a violation of the First Amendment, you know, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion. So you spoke out, you spoke are, out against the, uh, the county administrators saying you weren't going to inf- enforce their rules? Yeah, I nice. did, and they and they had these little rat pink snitches following me around, like the churches out here. They all were just cowards, and they all shut down. Oh, but geez. there was one church building where a group um, called the Constitutionalist of Southern Arizona, something like that. They started having meetings, and I went out there. Nobody was wearing masks, and we mm-hmm. had a mask mandate at the time. And I was the, the county manager called me and said, "I heard you were out there talking to 150 people, and you didn't have a mask, and nobody else had a mask on." And, but I was very vocal about, hey, I'm not going to tell somebody you know, what to do with their own health. And at that point, there had already been examples of people looking at the mask of school kids under a microscope and seeing mold colonies and bacteria colonies oh. and breathing in all that junk. You know? and, I, and I was very vocal about it, and I was during the campaign as well. And like I said wow. early on, people thought it would cost me the election. And it, and ultimately That's amazing. It well, uh, just absolutely glorious. I mean, you were, just came in on this. Nobody, uh, you have a question for David since you were late to the uh, um, affair? No, I'm just, I'm just enjoying listening to somebody who's, you know, actually doing his job with integrity. That's that's a rare yeah. thing in this world. Yeah, kudos. And even though supposedly, supposedly the sheriff is the highest law enforcement officer, they can do whatever they want to do. Like Russ, yeah. Russ Ulbrich, Russ Ulbrich is just an hour up the road in Tucson and hmm. for whatever two life sentences and four, plus forty years. And for people that don't know, you can send him things. You can send him books. You can put, put things on his commissary account. You can't visit him. No. Uh, I've talked to his mom, Lynn, and hmm. it's they, they have. It's kind of like almost like a communications unit, like a little mini max thing in the federal prison up there in Tucson. But yeah, I don't want to become like him. I mean, sure. he didn't do anything that was any kind of a crime, but you it's know, so weird they can knowing come that up a sheriff them. is the one saying that. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Congrats, David. This has been a great call, David. Is there anything else you wanted to share with our listeners tonight? I appreciate your time. No, I mean, if anyone wants to send me an email, I have a real easy email address, just yeah. Sheriff David Hathaway at gmail.com. No okay. weird characters or anything like that. And like I said, if anyone wants to read more things I've written, I've written a lot for lourockwell.com and the Libertarian Institute. But thank That's you awesome. for taking my call. Yeah, feel free to call us anytime if you've got a victory you want to share. Will you come share. run for a sheriff in Cheshire County? <laughs> <laughs> he mean, seems pretty dug in down there. Yeah, you, but you could come to New Hampshire, join the Free State Project, and be sheriff here. That would be amazing. Well, thank you guys. David, thanks, man. Appreciate your time uh, spending a whole hour with us here tonight. I'm sure he has a lot of things on his plate as sheriff of... Santa Cruz County in Arizona, and hopefully we'll hear from him again. I would love to get updates on occasion on, like, you know, some more victories, because it sounds like a really interesting situation down there. We're coming up. Hour three's on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour of the show. You can join us online anytime you want. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features you will find there. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. Nobody. And Aria. We just got off the phone with what was a totally unscheduled call. David Hathaway, the sheriff 
from Santa Cruz County, Arizona, just happened to call in and wanted to talk. So we had him on for uh, the entire hour and talked about what it's like, what it is like to be the sheriff on a border county in Arizona and also be a libertarian, not only a libertarian, but a self-described voluntarist. He even used the A word. Anarchy. Yeah, he used the word anarchist <laughs> to describe himself. But as he pointed out, he ran as a Democrat to get elected down there. But the thing is, he didn't just get elected. That's okay. We have a Republican who ran as a Democrat, and he became our sheriff. Are you talking about uh, Eli Rivera here? And, yeah, he changed yeah, he, his, he's his indistinguishable party. from a Republican, right? But he's got a D next to his name. So like, oh, he's a Democrat. He, he did say that uh, the Cheshire County is a sanctuary county for uh, for immigration. Oh, yes. All zero illegal immigrants <laughs> that are in Cheshire County, New Hampshire. That pissed off the Republicans. I mean, to, to his credit, he did do that. But mm-hmm. uh, he's no voluntarist. That's for sure. And uh, but this guy is David uh, Hathaway, and and one of the points I think you made off the air, Arya, because as soon as we ended the call with David, I I was like, this guy's got to be the best kept libertarian secret in all of the United States. I mean, normally libertarians don't get elected past dog catcher, and mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating with that. If somebody's a libertarian, they just don't get elected in general, and that's of course one of the reasons why he did get elected is he didn't run as a libertarian. But he's still a self-described voluntarist, which means he's still a you know principled libertarian. He's a published libertarian. He's got a book, uh, more than one apparently, but the one I have is uh, Immigration, Individual versus National Borders. And see, that's great to us yeah. because we care about liberty and we care about people doing things that are going to make the world a little bit more peaceful, a little bit freer. Yeah. But the Libertarian Party doesn't care about any of that. No. They just want to be able to say they have a success story of someone who ran for office with an L next to their name. And if they don't have that, the Libertarian Party doesn't give an F about them yeah your your persona non grata to you to the libertarian party unless you run with their letter next to your name and it's just it's sad and it's I, I, he did point out that he's been interviewed by tom woods and some other folks so it's not like he's yeah but the libertarian party has never come up like hey this guy he he's great right. as they should you yeah. know that that's what i would expect from the libertarian party yeah. like hey look we don't really i mean they, they were supposedly they they organized a political party in order to game the system or whatever okay but you have people who are doing that they just don't have the letter next they're working the system in a different way they're working the system in a way that's actually working they're getting elected and of course the same thing's true here in new hampshire where dozens of actual libertarian voluntarist anarchist types have actually been elected as state representatives now we haven't had anybody elected to sheriff that i know of i would think we would have heard of that if it happened this close to home yeah, there's could, only like 12 counties here yeah you have 10 it, uh, you know, it makes sense that we wouldn't have necessarily heard about this because it's all the way across the country from from where we are here in New Hampshire. So if something mm-hmm. like that were to have happened around here, we we would have caught wind. I have heard that there is a libertarian, supposed free stater, uh, not county sheriff, but a uh, a police chief okay. in this sort of region of the state. Well, I, see, that's the thing here in New Hampshire, free stater. As a, as a label is more important than a Libertarian Party member as a label. Yeah, that's true. Like, the, there is a Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, but... They're not seen as a threat. 
No, and you're going to get cheers from those same people if you're a free stater running for office as a Republican or a Democrat. They, they may not be able to come out and officially endorse you because mm-hmm. of the bylaws of their silly organization or whatever, right. but you still have their support. They're still going to invite you to their little social gatherings, their get-togethers and stuff. And it's going to be clear to anyone who knows anyone that, hey, yeah, these people are your friends and you're on the same team as them. Without them going out on Twitter saying, hey, we're the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. We endorse this Democratic yeah. candidate. Yeah, they probably have some rule preventing official endorsements like that. Anyway, kudos to mm-hmm. uh, to David Hathaway for what he's doing down there. And I, I like I said, I hope we'll hear from him again with occasional success stories and hopefully news of his reelection. In, uh, in I'm a looking couple, forward to hearing about yeah, that, right? In a couple more years. Is I didn't think to ask. Yeah, I guess it could be an every four year thing. I mean, presuming he wants to keep it up, I mean, you know, might be a bit of a frustrating job and he may may just decide to throw in the towel. But I mean, he may be up for re-election this year is what I was getting. No, no, I I think it's sort of four-year terms. So, but, you know, once you're in the office, you're an incumbent and it's hard to beat the incumbent. Let's Mm -hmm. go to Dan in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dan. Hey, Ian, Aria, nobody. What's going on? Hey, what's on your mind, Dan? Hey, we had the Medical Freedom event in New Jersey this weekend. And um, one of our main sponsors was Canasense. Oh, and cool. People can actually go right online from their phone and uh, order whatever they want and then pick it up at the, the Canasense table. Um, so that was a cool feature of our event. But, yeah, um, Canasense is cool. We had the, the founder call into the show, I don't know, some number of months ago and uh, talked about how they're still in business and that it's 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 an online ordering system for cannabis I remember this yeah. that's just right out in the open and he's got a really interesting like the guy that owns it's an attorney and he's got a really interesting viewpoint legally as to why what he does should be legal and he's not in a prison cell yet so uh, there's a lot of evidence that his arguments are pretty sound so uh, i saw some photos yeah. of the event that you had how how did it go oh you know what it went very well uh, we had a, a very big um, day of, um, you know, a lot of people showed up day of, but the, anyway, it was, it was about 70 degrees and sunny, Beautiful. and um, all our speakers showed up, Good. and everyone did a great job, <clears throat> and uh, Neil was actually one of our speakers, and uh, one of the things he said is that um, he, he's taken the IRS to court all the way to Supreme Court three times and beat them. Really? And he goes... Uh, he, he wanted them to show them what jurisdiction he has over over him, and they don't. Jay has as much jurisdiction over any of us as the king of France. Hold on. You said he's taken the IRS to the Supreme Court? Yes. Um, the Supreme Court, and um, if it's just Jersey, it was from Ocean County, New Jersey, where it went. And um, now the IRS is trying to get those court cases erased from the records. Whoa. Hmm. That's so, awesome. He, I can see why yeah, the IRS wouldn't want that, you know, on the record. Yes, and uh, so Neil is pretty good. He he does his research and he's uh, he he beats everybody. And he also he's always offered his help to you guys up in uh, New Hampshire with your Crypto Six if you ever want it. Okay, great. Right. Yeah, I mean we'll <laughs> we'll take it absolutely. The more expert uh, testimony that we can get on hand uh, for that case, certainly. The better. So, Dan, you guys had this medical freedom event. How, how well attended was it? Well, to be honest, I think we had about 175. Not bad. That's pretty we, good. No, it wasn't. We actually had two big trees right next to the stage, and all the children that were there, they all started climbing in the trees. It was great. It was, it was uh, 
They, you know, they weren't wearing masks, no mask anywhere. What's the current status in New Jersey on mask mandates and vaccine mandates and such? Um, at the moment, there's no vaccine mandate because of uh, the last Supreme Court case. Mm-hmm. Um, the mask were in New- Newark, New Jersey, a few months ago, and I believe that stopped. Hmm. So, um, but now they're talking about <clears throat> the COVID cases in New York and. Now, that's going to be a saying, and I've noticed there's a lot of people starting to wear a mask again. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, what are you seeing around, given that it is a completely voluntary choice? Do you live in one of the cities? No, I actually live right in the middle of the state, so it's mm-hmm. kind of like just the suburbs. Okay. And, um, you know, but I have seen a big increase in mask wearing going on now, mm-hmm. so um, I'm really not sure what that's about. That's amazing to me, though. I mean, we're going into, as you mentioned, it was 70 degree, degrees there last weekend. It hasn't been quite that here, but I mean, it's clearly it's spring. Nice here, yeah. And we're coming up into 70-degree weather. The the idea of people being terrified of a cold in the middle of May and June, it frustrates me on a level that I can't accurately convey. <laughs> yeah. Be- Was because it mass it, formation psychosis? Yeah. It always is and always has been just a cold. And this is summertime. Or it's as close to summertime as we can get until it actually is summertime. And people are scared again like they... like. They weren't here for the last two years of everyone being just fine. Dan, thank you for the call. Congrats on your event being a big success. And appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You want to weigh in? Bring up whatever's on your mind. You can take control of the airwaves here on Free Talk Live. is free talk live the phones are open and you can join us here the number is 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 ian nobody and aria in the studio here tonight uh been a while since we've actually touched any show prep which is the way i like it here when interesting calls come in we do like that phones are always open for you if you want to join us but I did want to talk since we had started out, uh, Aria, you had a story about this correspondence dinner at the White House or wherever the hell it was. Uh, could have it been was, at the White House. It was the White House correspondence dinner, but it doesn't seem to have occurred at the yeah, White House. it was House. too big. It was a humongous uh, occasion with uh, probably some convention center or something like that. As but, I understand it, it was a convention-ish thing. Mm-hmm. It was a dinner for People who are correspondents to the White House. Right. So we started talking about local propaganda. And now there's an unusual story. I've been sitting on this one for a few weeks. And it's just one of those interesting stories you don't you don't really hear very often about Russian propaganda being broadcast in the United States. And I'm not talking about RT because we knew about RT. RT is pretty familiar, I think, to at least the people on this show. Certainly our listeners have heard us sharing from RT, which stands for Russia Today. I go there every day now. I used to be an occasional RT person. Now I'm there every single day. It's one of the things I always go to for show prep because I want to see what their side of the story is when it comes to the Ukraine situation. I can only imagine how badly Mark is handling it. Mark, our co-host. Yeah, because he always hated, you know, anytime one of us brought in a story from Russia today, he hated it because he was just, oh, those evil Russians, that's Russian propaganda. That's weird because, <laughs> like, they're one of the best news agencies out there. Everything is somebody's propaganda. Certainly. Well, that's true. That's true. And at least you know what you're getting into when you go to RT. 
right? You know yeah. you're going to be getting the official kind of Russian side of story. But, uh, but as their- it turns out, I mean, from people who have done shows with Russia Today, America, or whatever they're called, yeah. that there's they're actually not you know, told what they can and can't talk about. They're they're given free reign to do their own programming as they choose. Yeah, and we've Which heard- is more than you can say for CNN. Exactly. And we've heard this from more than one person. So it used to be Adam Kokesh, who was uh, he's a libertarian activist. He had a show there about a decade ago. I think it was 2012 when he had his RT show. And uh, he said back then that they never told him what to say. They never picked topics, never told him he couldn't cover uh, certain topics or have certain opinions. And then uh, Holland Cook, who is actually a lefty, he if you listen to our Internet feed, you'll hear Holland Cook. He does these things called survival speech during our during our breaks. He's not a libertarian. Uh, but he had a show there called The Big Picture right up until the very end. So his show was on the air the last day because RT America shut down. They closed their entire operation because they couldn't pay anyone. Right. And um, Holland Cook wrote an essay about this yeah. and how it was a result of these American sanctions and stuff like that that are shutting down a free Correct. speech in effect. And in that same uh, essay that he wrote, he pointed out he was never told what he had to say, and he leans on the Ukraine side. So, you know, he was on RT having the opinions that he had about that uh, that conflict. So anyway, kudos to them for maintaining some journalistic integrity. I mean, I was criticizing so-called journalists in the United States, and they deserve it because they are just opinion columnists, just wrapping themselves as though they're the news. And at least on RT, they'll give you both sides, even in stories that we've read uh, coming from Russia about the crackdowns on freedom in Russia, there was one story about the Russian government shutting down a uh, so-called liberal newspaper and a or, uh, sorry liberal radio station, a liberal television station, and they got a comment from the editor of the the TV station. Who and, is taking the Russian government to court as yeah. it happens about the shutdown? Who said it was unconstitutional and they're going to fight this thing and you know he's saying these they're they're reporting that in the story. So like if if it is propaganda and it is, yeah. It is the most fair of all <laughs> propaganda that I've seen. So anyway, that's not the only thing they do. Uh they also have a radio division called Radio Sputnik. And not as many people know this because well, Radio Sputnik isn't on major cable systems or satellite systems or whatever. It doesn't have the same kind of presence. But it is broadcast in some places in the United States. And that's what this story is about. It's, uh, from, they have a station in D.C., don't they? Correct. And it covers all of the heart of Washington, D.C. And that's what this story is all about. For a few seconds, this is from the Washington Post from last month. Uh, actually, March. For a few seconds every hour, WZHF-AM interrupts its round-the-clock schedule of talk to air a curious disclaimer. Quote, This radio programming is distributed by RM Broadcasting on behalf of the federal state unitary enterprise Russia Segdanaya International Information Agency, Moscow, Russia. <laughs> Dude, can we start playing that during our broadcasts? Like, just to troll people? Additional information is available at the Department of Justice, Washington, D.C., unquote. Oh, we could leave out that part, because I think that would be a felony to include that. The cryptic notification masks a larger story. WZHF, a former Spanish-language station 11 miles east of the White House in Maryland's Capitol Heights, is the flagship of Russian President Vladimir Putin's effort to harness America's radio airwaves to sell the Kremlin's point of view. 
Despite periodic legal and political challenges, the imposition of sanctions against Russia for its invasion of Ukraine, the station has stayed on the air, broadcasting its Kremlin-approved message. It's at AM 1390 and is only one of five outlets in the United States that air English-language broadcasts of Radio Sputnik. I'm curious. They say that this is a Kremlin-approved message. Like, But is it? Is this actually like... Are they just it's Russian mouth- government? Yeah, but are they m- Russian mouthpieces for, or are they mouthpieces for the Russian government in the way that you would expect Russia today in Russia to be, or are they, or are they just Russian-owned news organizations like Russia Today, America, or whatever it's called in the United States? Well, having not actually listened to the station myself, I cannot comment directly about it. But if it's run anything like Russia Today, then maybe they let their hosts have their own opinions. Yeah, it could you know? be that. I mean, it says, you know, this is a Kremlin-approved message, but that That's isn't the, the case. propaganda of this story. Yeah, that isn't the case with the show that Adam Kokesh had right. or that Helen Cook had. Or that, you know, any show on Russia Today America, whatever it was called, actually. But what we can say is it is absolutely funded by the Russian government. That much yes. we know. Uh, so presumably, it generally, certainly during the news segments, will probably have a pro-Russian slant. But what does it say about the United States and their, their little, their little saber-rattling match with the Russian government if the best way of the Russian government attacking American, the American government is to provide an outlet of freedom of speech mm-hmm. in the United States? Hmm. Yeah. And, and that's their most effective way of targeting the United States government's narrative. Well, the liberals say we got to get rid of freedom of speech. It's a it's a terrible thing. They are saying. Well, that Well, the now. liberals and the conservatives both say it. Um, I've heard it more from the liberals lately. Well, lately because they're the ones in charge. The conservatives are all in favor of free speech right now, but mm-hmm. once they get in control, then you know they're going to change their tune. Well, I mean, they're not in, mm. they're not even in control of it now. I mean, if if they were truly freedom of speech advocates, they'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. If you want to have your your teacher teaching, you know, trans issues True. to seven year olds or whatever, go ahead. We just want to send our kids to that school, but that's not what they're saying at all. Yeah, that's a good point. So, well, of course, you don't get a choice generally about what school your kids go to. But they're not arguing that people should have a choice. They're saying that the teachers shouldn't be able to do that at all. It's true. The conservatives do tend to spend their time fighting over curriculum instead of just pulling their kids out of the government schools. Uh, So we got more on the Russian propaganda ministry right here in the United States, airing on five different radio stations. I remember hearing there was one in Miami. I don't know where they all are located, but there is one right in the belly of the beast. And uh, you got to give them credit for it. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. And you can join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Thankfully, there's something in the United States that's still relatively in effect, and that is freedom of speech. Yes, it has been infringed upon in a variety of different ways. For instance, Ross Ulbricht is in prison for two life sentences plus 40 years for simply having a website. So, I, mean, I have to hope that that's going to be changing in the near future, though. Because you think they're going to send him loose? I, I can't imagine any other reason he would have agreed to surrender his Bitcoin recently. Mm. Right? I yeah. mean, he had nothing to gain from that. It's not It's not like they could confiscate it or whatever. I, and I, I don't well, they remember, have confiscated it. I don't remember all the details now, but it's not like... They took $3 billion worth of Bitcoin from someone who allegedly stole it from the Silk Road, came to Ross Ulbricht and said, Hey, why don't you sign off on this? 
and let us have it. Now, you you won't challenge it, and we'll go ahead and consider your $183 million quote-unquote debt to the federal government as paid. But see, that's it, because they couldn't... How were they going to squeeze $183 million out of him anyway? They wouldn't. Right. So they had to have some sort of... They had to offer him something. They had to persuade him to do it beyond just, oh, yes, we'll... We'll take off the extra 40 years that we handed you on top of your two life sentences or whatever, which is effectively well, they didn't offer what that. They, but that's effectively what they offered. You know, well, the, no, they just said we're going to pay off your $183 million. Debt. Which is meaningless to them, just like it would be meaningless if they said we're going to knock off the 40 years you're right. after. It, I see what you're saying. It's meaningless to him, presuming he never gets out of prison, which right. he's never scheduled to get out of prison. But maybe there is a, still a chance. If there's a possibility yeah. of him getting out of prison, then all of that right. suddenly matters. Plus, you got Julian Assange, who is currently rotting away in one of the harshest prisons in the UK, awaiting extradition. He's still appealing that, but they want to put him away for 170 years, I think was the last I heard, Good here Lord. in uh, the United States for so-called espionage or whatever the hell the charge is uh, there. So, for journalism. Yeah. Uh, for real journalism, like we're yeah. talking about here tonight, really telling the truth about what the American government has done. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm all, you know, rose-colored glasses when it comes to freedom of speech. But compared to places like Europe, uh, compared to Australia, compared to China. Compared to Ukraine. Uh, com- certainly compared to Ukraine. You, you're getting 15 years for uh, denying that the war is happening in Ukraine or saying anything that's positive to towards Russia. So compared to a lot of the rest of the planet, the U.S. is still relatively free as far as speech is concerned. You can still go on a web browser without using a VPN, and you can go to RT.com and you can read the RT coverage. You can see what they have to say. Uh, I'm pleased that internet service providers haven't restricted people's access from doing that. That we know of, at least. Yeah, I assumed mm-hmm. that was going to be the next step from Facebook and YouTube as go- was going to be Spectrum and T-Mobile and AT&T and all of these other people who provided internet saying, yeah, we're, we're not going to let you access these sites anymore. And that would have set a, a terrifying precedent. Well, they did boot uh, DirecTV on a voluntary basis, did boot RT off of their system. So that was their biggest carrier in the United States, and they're gone from there that's true so. but on, on that occasion direct tv was serving rt's content as opposed to allowing people to have access to it i suppose like there's a mm. there's a difference between amazon kicking rt.com off of there. their web servers and spectrum saying no we're not letting you yeah. access rt.com i get i get what you're saying there so we're talking about the uh, radio Sputnik, which is broadcasting on five radio stations in the united states including one right in dc WZHF, uh, according to the story here at the Washington Post, the Sputnik is the radio and digital arm of Russia Today, also known as Rossiya Segdanaya, the same Kremlin-controlled media agency that directs RT and RT America. Again, RT America shut down. The better-known TV and digital media operations founded by Putin's regime in 2005. But while American distributors and European governments have banned RT since the attack on Ukraine, leading to the collapse of their American operations, WZHF is still offering Sputnik's content to Beltway listeners. With names like Political Misfits and By Any Means Necessary, its talk shows are as slickly produced as anything on NPR or the giants of conservative talk radio. Some discussions, organ transplantation, recycling, and paranormal activity were among last week's topics are apolitical, but many Sputnik hosts offer a more barbed commentary about America's perceived flaws, racism, economic inequality, and political dysfunction. 
One consistent thread for years, skepticism of the U.S. intelligence community's conclusion that Russia acted to influence the 2016 election in favor of Donald Trump. Well, well hasn't I, that been debunked? Well, officially, they actually have announced that the uh, the Hunter Biden laptop is a real thing, right? So, yeah, the, the, <laughs> I, I just saw today that there were, you know, U.S. media was claiming the CIA and all these supposed experts were claiming that the Hunter laptop thing was Russian propaganda. And it turns out it's 100% true. There really is a Hunter Biden laptop, and there really are some really nasty images, apparently, on it. Mm-hmm. Sputnik's- I'm not surprised. I mean, the whole thing was was bunk from the beginning. Was them saying they were upset that Hillary lost the election to Donald Trump, and they were desperate to blame it on someone, anyone. Sure, like the mm-hmm. the the Democratic guy who had his password hacked or whatever. I don't remember his name now. Oh, Podesta. Uh, Podesta yeah. yeah. They, they they wanted to blame that on the Russians, but it turned out to be the result of there An was easy password. Yeah, there was never any substance there to tie it to Russia, but that didn't stop them from ever doing it. And no mm. one ever demanded. I mean, we demanded proof, but the vast majority of Americans were like, "No, this is our person lost. This is inconceivable. It must have been the Russians." Hmm. Sputnik's talking heads have tended to justify Russia's invasion of Ukraine, alleging Ukrainian crimes against its Russian-speaking population, an encroachment on Russia from the NATO alliance, which seem like they're both true to me. They typically describe the invasion as a military operation or an intervention, echoing Putin's framing. There's plenty of whataboutism. A Russian commenter on uh, recently fretted the United States could give nuclear weapons to Ukraine. Uh, he said, quote, we cannot be confident that America will be a responsible member of the international community. And that's a, that's a fact. Have they ever been? Right. The United States is, a, uh, as far as a group of people, a bunch of liars. They've lied about weapons of mass destruction and they've lied about everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me that, uh, you know, somehow they can make this big deal about the invasion of Ukraine but nobody has been held to account for the invasion of Iraq. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, never will. How is how is that not just as bad? Right. Where were all the corporations voluntarily placing sanctions on the United States? Yeah, because of Iraq and Afghanistan. How about Yemen and all the other places that they've invaded? No. Uh, although I don't think we've. I, I don't think they've invaded yemen the saudis have and Backed the, US the u.s government is paid for it sure but uh well they're right they're not yeah. technically in ukraine either but they're sending right. weapons yeah uh at its most pernicious sputnik offers wholly misleading information says the post former correspondent recounted in 2017 about how his editors ordered him to ask if the white house would explore alternative theories about the syrian government's sarin gas attack on its own people dovetailing with Kremlin claims that Hold it's on, because I remember this. There was never any evidence tying the Syrian government to this. Yeah, that that uh, that that's another one that I'm pretty sure was debunked. Yeah, I don't remember how it ultimately shook out, but mm. I, I, I remember that there was never any concrete evidence or any reason to believe that Assad had anything to do with this and that it was almost certainly the rebels, if I remember correctly. This was a long time ago, and a lot of BS has happened since then. So encouraging people to ask questions is actually the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, of course, RT's tagline. If you go to their website, uh, RT's tagline is question more. Huh. Like, they are encouraging people to question things. Remember when the leftists used to have the question authority bumper stickers? Yeah. That that? That was a long time ago. 
They say that the 9,000-watt AM signal in D.C. can be heard across the region. They say, though, the message doesn't appear to be going far. WZHF doesn't rank among the top 40 stations in the Washington area in Nielsen's ratings. But you know what? You tend to have to pay for that. Just, just, I, I don't think that the person writing this article probably is aware of that. If you don't pay Nielsen, they kind of don't really include you in the ratings. Really? I didn't know that, yeah, and I, I used to work for Nielsen Media Research. I don't know if that's an official policy, but that's sort of what those of us in the business are aware of. There's more coming up here in the mom- in a moment. The number is 603-283-6160. You can join us here. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can join us here. You can share your thoughts. Whatever's on your mind, we're talking about propaganda, Russian propaganda on the Sputnik News Channel. It is a radio broadcasting company, uh, organization, propaganda arm of the Russian government. You've heard of RT, Russia Today. Well, this is their radio division, and they are actually renting airtime on radio stations. So this is the thing. They don't own WZHF. In Washington, D.C., which covers the White House. It covers, you know, all of downtown D.C. They are what they're calling uh, what what they call, I believe, in the business an LMA. And I don't know what that's I don't recall what that stands for. But they're basically like a show or a series of show that's like, hey, we've got, you know, six hours of programming. We want to pay you to play our broadcast. I think it's 24 hours. They've got, you know, that much content. Now, maybe like maybe it's like LRN where it repeats every 12 hours or something like that. Uh, but they've got enough content to to fill a whole radio station, so they do what's called an LMA, and they basically lease the entire radio signal twenty four seven for you know, five years or however long the lease lasts. That's got to be a radio station owner's dream. It though. is because yeah. <laughs> they just have to like press play once, yep. and then they're done. And walk away, and they get paid, and they don't have to sell a single advertisement. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, that's what I we're can see why here. stations would do it. Then I mean, that's a sweet deal. When I first heard about him, was uh, it was actually going to one of these industry conventions that I was telling you about before. I met somebody who worked for uh, Radio Sputnik at one of these industry wow, conventions okay. years ago, and of course I pitched her on Free Talk Live. I'm like, hell yeah, we could be on. We would totally <laughs> be on uh, Sputnik Radio or whatever, and it just never ended up panning out, which is a shame too, because it would be great. You know, I'll take five new stations. Absolutely, it'd be great. Uh, let's go to your phone calls and thoughts here, uh, Sarah. You're calling from New Mexico. Go ahead. Well, speaking of, um, it's a little bit different. I'm going to talk about what you were talking about, talking about renting out uh, hours on the radio station right now. Um, you know, the KNMA, it's the the university radio station. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they were renting out, um, they were having communist shows. For example, you know, when Fidel Castro passed away, they're talking about communists all around the globe, mourning and, and death of Fidel Castro, and uh, they're having shows about that. They, I heard many, many communist shows on that. Why don't community. you go and rent some airtime, Sarah, and you could really reach a lot more people that way. Uh, have you considered that? Well, I don't have any money, but you know what? They, they got busted. <laughs> remember, 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 remember I called you guys about the Goborsky Lab? Goborsky Lab's was a Russian company, they were caught funneling money to KUNME. 
it was one of the uh, people they advertise on TV to me. Well, I, I bet you those communists aren't lab. paying for that airtime either. If it's a college radio station, the odds are they're just college students and they they get the airtime for free. Sarah, college radio stations don't sell. As I understand it, they don't sell airtime. They just want somebody to fill the air. So if you wanted to, you could probably reach out to the college station and tell them you're willing to volunteer. And I know that the one here in uh, Keene, at Keene State College, they don't have just students running that thing. They're, they've got locals that go in there and they, they do music shows or whatever they want to they wanna play. And as I understand it, they... No, but, uh, the whole, but the whole thing is that twice the station, many times they made the Putin into a good guy on that show. That's what I'm saying. He was talking and do about, you think he's a good guy? You know, don't you think he's a secret communist? Didn't you call in about that? Well, well, he was bringing lamb to one of the uh, Middle Eastern, one of the Arabic countries, Syria, probably Syria or something, that they're in the same bag hold on, hold on, with the about, Russians. Probably where? Syria or uh, Iraq okay. or Iran. I don't know, but they were communist. They are allies of the Russians, anti-Americans. So... Um, I'm so confused because they all these countries they flip back and forth. One, well, you know, a couple of years they're American allies like Arabia. Now they're going to be U.S. Uh, Chinese. No, I mean Saudi Arabia. Now they're oh, going to be Arabia. buddies with um, China and Russia. Now you know what I mean? Because they're well, yeah. one the new prince. I mean they just keep flopping back. But anyway, he was taking one of the little lambs as a present to one of these countries, and I thought that was kind of cute for Putin to be doing this. Because he wants to make um, kind of like a men's. And far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm a communist. He is a good guy. The Soviet, the Russians are fighting. For <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. There, there's so much to unpack. Bourgeoisie. I'll put her on hold. Hold on for a second, because there's so much to unpack. Um, the reason that these countries keep flipping back and forth is because they ally themselves with with the biggest power that is going to help them deal with their biggest threat at the moment. Like we saw with the Afghanistan versus the Soviet Union back in the 1980s, mm-hmm. where the United States armed and trained al-Qaeda and the Taliban and all of them to take over. And then, you know, oh, look. Including years, Osama bin Laden. Yes. And 30 years later, oh, look, it turns out those same people are fighting the United States. Apply that to Ukraine today. And I guarantee you that by 2030 or whatever, the United States is going to be fighting against Ukraine. Like, Where did all these rebels come from? Why don't they like us imposing new leaders on them anymore? Yeah, it's political, Sarah. That's why people flip back and forth because it's whatever's convenient. Um, yeah, you know what? The thing is, when Russians do take over Ukraine, they will be on the Ukrainian side. Like you say, they're going to flip back over into communism. If you enter, well, the Russians aren't communists, uh, Sarah. Yeah, she really has this fantasy that the Russians are still a communist place, and there's there's definitely still some commies in Russia. It's just uh, there's no evidence that the government there is. I mean, I'm, it seems like they're fascists. They have Burger Kings and stuff, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> no bread lines right now uh, in uh, in Russia. Thank you for the call tonight. The number here is 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever you want. So back to the story about the Russia um, radio station. The National Association of Broadcasters, historically an organization that has supposedly stood in favor of free speech, has called on station owners to stop carrying Russian state-sponsored programming. 
Without mentioning WZHF or Sputnik by name, the chief executive of the NAB suggested they were spreading Kremlin propaganda. Curtis Legite is his name. He says, quote, while the First Amendment protects freedom of speech, it does not prevent private actors from exercising sound moral judgment. Our nation must stand fully united against misinformation and for freedom and democracy across the globe. Hmm. And calling for station owners to voluntarily... Stop taking the money from uh, from the the, uh, the, Ru- the Russians. We must silence voices we disagree with in the name of freedom. Yeah, anything that isn't what the government says is misinformation these days. Of course, now you got the Ministry of Truth uh, mm-hmm. that they've uh, they've founded to deal with that. And we're going to see how that plays in. Thankfully, even people within the mainstream media are pointing out the similarities between the Ministry of Truth and the Board of Disinformation or whatever it is that the Biden administration has come up with. So, I mean, that's just not libertarians going, hey, guys, this is Ministry of Truth stuff. The rest of the media has realized, oh, this is this is bad. Have they realized that? Some of them have. I, I mean, I saw it on Google mm. News recently. So, I mean, if mm. it made us run to Google News, it has to be relatively common. Yeah, I would think Fox News would probably glom on to that particular headline. But I don't yeah. know if you're going to see that on MSNBC. It's hard to say, man. MSNBC is still rambling on about Trump and January the 6th. Like (laughs) Those are their two stories, and they just alternate between them, and they just have different opinionators spouting their opinions about one of those two news stories 24-7. That's MSNBC. Uh, Sputnik Mm. doesn't own WZHF, as we pointed out, and nor would it be allowed to under uh, FCC rules. So they couldn't even buy the station if they wanted to. The That's dec- strange. The decades-old prohibition was driven by concerns that hostile foreign powers would use American radio and TV to broadcast propaganda. Okay, so argue with them. Dispute them. Challenge them. Right. And if, it, if we actually had freedom to broadcast, then you could just put another radio station on the air without having to ask the government's permission. But no, the FCC stands in the way of that. Uh, licensed to a New York company, Way Broadcasting, since 2001... Way appears to be a largely passive owner. In 2017, it agreed to lease the station's airtime to a different party, RM Broadcasting in Jupiter, Florida, which then sold all of the station's airtime to RT and Sputnik. Uh, RM made a similar deal with a different station in the Kansas City area where they have three different stations. So you've actually got one company that owns the station renting it to another party who's then renting it to a third party. Hmm. The practice known Don't as, you love government? Yeah, uh, known as a time brokerage agreement has been a financial lifeline for small and financially troubled broadcast outlets since the 1930s. Instead of hiring a sales staff and producing programs, station owners just lease blocks of airtime to another party, often through a broker, which puts its own programs on the air. Of course, usually this really sucks as far as content is concerned, because then you end up with, as they point out here in the article, infomercials, right? You get the colon cleanser, uh, infomercial But hour. it also seems like this is how you ended up with, like, a Adult Swim on Cartoon Network. Is, is that how that happened? It seems that way. You had this block of programming that couldn't afford an entire cable channel, so they just rented out you know, this eight-hour block on this other existing cable channel. Hmm. I would be surprised if that was rented to them and that wasn't Cartoon Network's creation from top to bottom, but that would be, be very interesting to uh, show that. If you're interested in learning more about this, uh, I, I'm curious now to hear what they've actually got on uh, the Radio Sputnik content. Maybe maybe it's a good time for Free Talk Live to reach back out and see if they, if they need any shows. Well, Talkers is coming up. <laughs> uh, we're out of time for tonight. You can join us between now and tomorrow online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. Don't forget our social media site, social.freetalklive.com. I'll post this article over there.